Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, before you listen to today's episode of In Flight Snack, I wanted to tell you about a special opportunity we are giving to the fans of this podcast. On Saturday, August 19th at 7.30 p.m., hey, that's tomorrow, the New York Jets will be on field in their new 2023 look for the first time, and you have a chance to be there at MetLife Stadium. Yes, we are giving away two tickets to the Jets versus Bucks preseason game tomorrow. So what you have to do is right now, before you listen to this episode, Go to my Instagram at Rami.Lavi or go to my Twitter or the show pages Twitter at Flight Snack on Twitter and enter the contest. See how you can enter to have a chance to be at MetLife Stadium 7.30 p.m. Saturday night to see the New York Jets against the Tampa Bay Bucks. We're giving away two tickets. Now, after you do that, come back here and listen to me talk for 45 minutes about the Jets on Hard Knocks. up the sea fires caught touchdown Garrett Wilson scores Rodgers does this better than anybody end zone Cobb touchdown unbelievable Rodgers going end zone Lazard he's got it for the touchdown Looking downfield, leaves a bomb for Davis, Sauce Gardner's there, and it's knocked away! Sauce Gardner, in position on Gabe Davis, knocks it away, and the Jets are going to take a knee and win it! Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Welcome to In Flight Snack, a New York Jets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Rami Lavie, and this is episode two. I'm really excited to do this, and before I do anything else, first of all, I missed a huge opportunity listening back to the first episode. I said I wanted to thank the Believe Network for giving me the opportunity, trusting me with this platform. Believe was right there. It was right there. I wanted to thank the Believe Network for believing in me. Yeah, so missed the opportunity, but that's why, unlike Robert Sala said, in prod, in podcasting, we get a second chance. We get a day two. We get an episode two, I guess. I don't know. Um, but hey, live content, you're right. I can't get that one back. I can't get that first episode back. We'll talk about Sala's speech in a minute because it was wonderful, fantastic. I mean, that was not what I thought of it. People had different opinions. Anyone who thought it was fake or fabricated, it's crazy. Um, but before anything else, I just want to thank everyone because the response to the first episode, the outpour, the appreciation, the support, everything I've received from this community, people who I'm getting to know now as part of the Believe Network and the welcome to the network and all that stuff has been uh, overwhelming. And from all my friends and all the people who have been supporting me throughout this process, I appreciate that as well because moving over to this network, maybe some of them aren't even huge Jet fans and supporting me here and uh, continuing to do what, uh, allowing me to do what I love, I guess, is awesome. And it's just um, super gratifying. The response to all of it has been awesome and I, I greatly appreciate it. So thank you for that. Now, uh, the first two episodes of Hard Knocks are out, and I said that that's what I was going to focus on in this episode. But I did want to talk about something for a second, because when I was listening back and I'm looking through and I'm sharing it with people, I'm getting the response from people like I talked about, there was like this sense of 
kind of pride, but also responsibility that I have because as a Jet fan myself, and I've detailed it on last episode, if you missed it, go back and listen. I'm a huge Jet fan. I've been a Jet fan my whole life. I grew up a Jet fan. I From the time I'm a little kid, right? And I remember going back years ago to listening and watching on YouTube to these Jets content creators, whether it was NYJ Matt or whoever it was, these people. And I didn't want to do something gimmicky. They all had like flight or something in their title. And I remember, I think even one guy wore like an old timey pilot hat or helmet or whatever the heck that was uh, in one of his episodes. But I always found it to be a little bit corny, but at the same time, these are guys who are now super huge on YouTube with tens and thousands of subscribers. And I I watched them. There was a certain responsibility that I feel having grown up watching them, having seen their process, and now starting my journey in the same field with a Jets podcast with creating Jets content. I feel a certain responsibility to someone who may be watching this, uh, someone who's younger or anyone who's like, okay, this is super cool. I want to see this. I want to see where this goes to continue down that path because I've watched so many people grow and continue to create content and it's been super cool for me. Uh, One of my favorites, obviously, is Jake Asman. He was on my old podcast and hit the Jake Asman show. It was awesome. So a little free, I don't know, go watch his stuff, but definitely we'd love to get him on at some point. He was on my last podcast. Uh, We'll probably get him on at some point, but great Jets content there. But the whole Jets community, the whole Jets content community, I know there was a little um, piece that the actual New York Jets did in the offseason. I think it was called Jets Media or Jets Twitter or something like that. And it was about the social media community and the online media community that the New York Jets have created. And there's so many Jets content creators. Now, this is going to be the best Jets podcast. There can only be one best Jets podcast, but that doesn't mean the other ones aren't good. And so I appreciate everyone else, all the other Jets podcasts. uh, And of course, I appreciate everyone who's supported this podcast as well. Now let's get into it. Let's get into Hard Knocks. I already did a recap of episode one on my previous podcast on the Rami Levy podcast, my other podcast, I should say. And I'm not going to step all over that. Uh, I will not send you there either. I will give you a little bit more. Now we're a week removed from it. I will give you my reaction a week removed from that episode and how the two episodes tie together. So what I called Hard Knocks episode one after watching episode two was the Aaron Rodgers episode. That's episode one was all about Aaron Rodgers. Is Aaron Rodgers is a jet. Now, They didn't go through the whole drama and the timeline of how did Rodgers become a Jets. Very short at the beginning. You have Colin Cowherd. You have Craig Carton saying, I don't know. Until I see him in a Jets uniform, I don't believe it's happening. And then he's just there. And he's saying, hey, that Super Bowl trophy, that case looks a little lonely, which people freaked out about also. No. Yeah, he's, he's here. He announced it on McAfee. The trade actually happens. All those good things. Um so that that's how it starts. It starts with that. And the overall overarching theme, I would say, of the first episode of one of Hard Knocks, to me, was that it was so, so very positive. Everything was so positive. There was no negativity. There was no drama. Everything painted the Jets in such a positive light. And oftentimes they do that. Oftentimes that's what happens with these Hard Knocks episodes. In fact, there's a this is proven stat that the team that's on Hard Knocks generally gets the most money gambled on them during those Hard Knocks episodes while they're being released during training camp. So that tells you that people watch Hard Knocks and they think, oh, this team, they, they buy into the hype. They buy into the positivity. Look, this coach. Now, at the end of the day, all these guys are uber talented. They made it to the NFL. At the end of the day, all these coaches are so talented because they're coaching in the NFL. They've gotten to this point. So it's impossible to say, that any of these teams are really bad. And so to think, okay, one of these teams is not going to come off looking great, even if there are things sometimes you could tell that are not great going on in a locker room, still, it's really, really good. And everyone's still really good at football and the coaches are still going to push you hard and all those things. So it looks good on a documentary series that's put together by NFL Films to promote the NFL on HBO or now streaming on Max. So... I I didn't expect it to look bad. So you don't expect any team to look bad. Now, this year might be an outlier because the Jets do have final editorial say on everything that goes out there. That's that's the thing that we know. That's the thing that kind of differed to me before they did 
Hard Knocks this year, I was like, well, Hard Knocks is going to be different than One Jets Drive, which is the Jets' in-house produced uh, documentary series that they do. And I said, the difference is going to be One Jets Drive kind of feels like a puff piece. It kind of feels like propaganda. It feels like it's coming from the Jets. And Hard Knocks does not. Hard Knocks feels that it's produced by the NFL. It's objective and all that. But this year, obviously, there's going to be less of that because the Jets have editorial say. That said, still, you can't make some of this stuff up. Aaron Rodgers talked about this and Salah talked about, everyone talked about this. You can't be different on camera because everyone will read right through you. If all of a sudden you start acting for the cameras, everyone's going to read right through you. So the fact that the cameras are on shouldn't change people. And we'll get to what that means for what we've seen so far. But in episode one, maybe that truly means that everything has been really positive in Jets camp so far. So I'm excited about that as a Jet fan. It's hard not to get excited about that now it also starts the first episode after that little intro starts with your introduction to robert sala and i loved robert sala's opening speech take a listen all right you can take your pens out on this one this is a life lesson for everybody for everybody three nights ago three nights ago i was in deep thought deep thought deep thought And I was thinking about you guys. I was thinking about you guys. I was thinking about all the excitement surrounding us, man. All of it. All of it. Did you know that the only bird, the only bird in the world that will attack an eagle is a crow? It's a crow. That's the only bird that will actually have the balls to attack an eagle. It will perch on the eagle's back and peck at its neck. So rather than fight back and tearing a crow to pieces like it can, The eagle spreads its wings and it soars as high as it possibly can. It keeps going and going and going as high as it can. And the higher the eagle flies, the harder it is for the crow to breathe. Eventually, the crow suffocates, falls back down to earth, and dies. That's what happens. Guys, we got a great deal of hype around us. We do. All kinds of expectations. And with great expectations, we know that there's going to be a whole lot of people, a whole lot of crows expecting us to fall on our face. What are you doing to find that little bit more to get us closer to being a great fucking team? You finish practice, now what? You finish meetings, now what? Lifting, now what? A rep, now what? And if we come together and we challenge ourselves to do a little bit more every day, the crows, they'll fall by themselves. Embrace what we're capable of. Embrace the fact that we aren't the same old Jets. Embrace the fact that we do have a target on our back. Embrace the fact that when teams look at our schedule, they're not chalking us up for a W. They're coming at you. That's exactly where we want to be. And that's fucking awesome. Now, a lot of people said, well, it's, he's not Rex. Rex didn't come up with these big elaborate speeches. When you compare it to the old, I, I, I pre-gamed. I'm going to be honest. I watched the old episodes of Hard Knocks from 2010 in preparation for the Jets being on hard knocks this year. I don't know if everyone did that, but I certainly did. And I will say this. I'll say, no, he's not Rex. He's not polished like Rex, even though he's almost so polished because he's trying to put together this speech. And um, he obviously, he got this from TikTok, which he said he admitted it to Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts on the fan. We went there. Our radio station went to Jets training camp to talk to the New York Jets and they interviewed Robert Sala, and he said, you ever know that sometimes like at night, late at night, you're scrolling on your phone, and uh, you come up, and you see this you see this thing, and it's perfect, and you're like, I'll use that story. So yes, he definitely got it from TikTok. It's a speech that he saw on TikTok, one of these motivations. Are you shocked that Robert Sala follows these motivational speeches on TikTok? But he delivered, and I think the players buy into it. He stands there. He's honest. He's serious. He's he's a storyteller. He always said, he said, it doesn't have to be true. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. I 100% am for that. I've told many stories that have twisted the truth a little bit. But if it's a good story, it's a good story. You got to tell it. You got to elaborate. You got to, I guess, what's the word to, um, yeah, to bend the truth a little bit. I'm, I'm blanking right now. But the point is, and I'm going to be thinking about that the entire episode. Now I'm going to be thinking, ah, oh, word to elaborate to bend the truth to yeah and it's gonna bother me and when i get it i'm gonna yell it out in the middle of the episode but i'm gonna try and uh, forget about it for now 
So I get it. He's trying to be polished. But when he's saying, let's push one step further. Let's do one thing more than the next team. Let's go further than this guy. You push yourself. If you do one rep more, we, we haven't earned anything yet. Let's push it to the next level. And then the Hard Knocks music comes in. Dun, da, da, dun. It's so cool. Like, I love that. I live for that. That was my intro to Hard Knocks. I'm like, oh my God, my mind is exploding. The Jets aren't Hard Knocks. And that's the world because if us Jets fans, we know Robert Sala, right? We've seen one version of him at least. And the world though hasn't met Robert Sala yet. Not everyone's a Jet fan. Not everyone watches every single press conference. There's someone out in Oklahoma who watched that episode of HBO of Hard Knocks and was like, oh, this Robert Sala guy, I kind of like him. I remember, oh, yeah, he was on the 49ers. He was a defensive coordinator, had some fire to him. That's cool that he has this side of him where he's firing the guys up with a motivational speech. That's cool. Um, and by the way, speaking of saying we haven't earned anything and let's push one step further, the defensive corner, Jeff Uldrich, is one of the, he's been one of the MVPs of the first two episodes. Like, I think because he's got a low usage rate, they aren't sh- featuring a ton of him in these episodes so far. But really, really high efficiency. I love that, that the NBA phrase, low usage, high efficiency, right? So I think he's been awesome in these episodes. And one of the things is one of the meetings he's sitting in and he's like, guys, if you push yourself one step further, if you push yourself on these, talking to the defense, one step further, if you go one beyond your limit, then everyone going one beyond your limit. Now we have 22 guys on the field and not 11. It's kind of corny, but I, I love where it's coming from. I love that part of it. Now, Then after that, it becomes the Aaron Rodgers show. And some people were, oh my God, it's all about Aaron Rodgers. And he's running the show and he's running the team. You shouldn't have your head coach sitting there marveling going, God, what a throw. God, what a throw. But I loved it. Rodgers walks out onto the field. Um, The first time when you see him standing there, he's like, Green 18, Green 18 hut. Like that. Like I've I've been waiting for him to do that as a jet. Now it'll hit different when it's in game. September 11th, Monday night football with Joe and Troy on the call. Like I said on last episode, every big memory I have of Aaron Rodgers has been with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call. So even though I'm a jet season ticket holder, I think I want to sit at home. I'm not gonna go to the stadium on that Monday night. I'll Hit me up if you want my tickets. I'm not going to go to this stadium on that Monday night at MetLife Stadium and risk missing out on some of the incredible graphics and stuff that ESPN is going to put together. DeMar Hamlin's return. Obviously, the m- memorial remembering 9-11. Aaron Rodgers first started as Jet, and Joe and Troy are doing the call. But Joe and Troy being on the call, and what was so awesome Monday Night Football last year, when Joe just laid out and let the crowd tell the story for Russell Wilson's return uh, with the Denver Broncos to Seattle, it was so perfect. He's going to do a similar type of thing. He's going to, you know, it's going to be perfect. And that first time that you hear that that cadence from Rodgers, Green eighteen, it's going to, it, it was awesome. So hearing it on Hard Knocks was awesome. He walks onto the field and they start chanting his name. He looks at Zach Wilson. He's like, "You guys haven't seen this yet, huh?" He, he has that cockiness to him. I love it. I don't hate it. Um, and also back to him kind of running the show. That's okay. If Robert Sala can be the CEO, we don't know how Robert Sala is as a head coach yet because he's had to deal with so much bullshit. He's had to deal with so many little things that are hurting him from being the best possible head coach that he could be probably. And now he doesn't have to do that. He could be the CEO. You see Uldrich is the head of the defense. You see Hackett is the head of the offense. Rodgers is definitely another piece. But Salah talks about this. Players hold players accountable. Coaches hold coaches accountable. Players hold coaches accountable. Coaches hold players accountable. It's all a team. He said, look, we all lose our jobs. We all get fired. We all lose if we don't band together, which was such an aware comment that he made. And I love that. So... Robert Sala being kind of the overarching CEO of the whole thing and Rodgers kind of running the offense a little bit and even running the defense, people coming to him for advice. I don't mind that. I love that. Um, And then (laughs) also, so before when they're showing them warm up, they said expectations couldn't be higher for the Jets. And as they're showing that, they have the Rodgers and Sauce uh, smoking the joint. Um, I don't know if that was on purpose. It's exactly as he, it has to be on purpose. His expectations couldn't be higher. And it, as they're saying higher, you see uh, uh, Rogers and Sauce Gardner smoking the blunt in their handshake. So it's kind of funny. And then they start, they ask, it starts with, 
asking Robert Sala, Aaron Rodgers, what does he do for this team? And then it's just this 90-second, what I called jet fan porn. <laughs> because, and I posted this on Twitter, I posted this on Instagram, go follow me at Rami Lavi, at Rami underscore Lavi, at Rami dot Lavi, uh, underscore on Twitter, dot Lavi on Instagram. And I posted this video of Aaron Rodgers because they used the Ed Sheeran song, which is funny because he went to Ed Sheeran at MetLife Stadium. But also, they it's like a kind of like a pop love song where it's like if they were showing the beginning of a movie where the nerdy kid loves this hot girl, you'll see her like in slow motion, like flipping her hair as she's walking. I guess this is kind of dated, maybe like mid-2000s, early 2000s. But <laughs> that's what this was like. It was over the top, Aaron Rodgers spinning the ball in his hand, the slow motion, the different throws, everyone freaking out, the reactions to every throw that he makes. And you're playing like this song, like, ooh, I love it when you do it like that. Yeah, I, I got to stop or start continues because I got a lot of reactions to singing on last episode. So I don't know if I should keep doing it. I should do it more. I should do it less. But it's so funny that they play that song the way like it's, it, you know, it's a, it's just a funny song to be playing for it, and it was perfect. I loved it. I've watched it ten thousand times now. I, when I posted, it, I said I've watched this already ten times. That was like five minutes after the episode came out. When I first watched the episode, I was on the train. I was on the New Jersey Transit, and I literally was sitting there on my phone with my headphones on, watching the episode and laughing to myself like a freak, like uh, alone on the train, laughing uncontrollably watching that scene just so excited to watch that you know Aaron Rodgers another thing that came out of that he made that one throw where he's rolling to his right and throws back across his body to his left um Uldrich in the meeting says to the defensive team he's like guys that's our quarterback we're never going to be out of a game because we have him him rolling to his right and throwing back to the left a perfect back shoulder pass I think it was to uh Rucker the tight end out of Long Island That's crazy. He still has the talent. He still has it. So for anyone who thought that Rodgers after last year, he fell off. He's still making throws that nobody else. I said this on last episode. Nobody else in the league can make. Maybe Patrick Mahomes. That's it. It's Rodgers and Mahomes just from a pure skill level, arm talent, the arm slots that they throw from. It's unbelievable. And you saw it in that clip in that little montage that they do and then Uldrich afterwards saying we're never going to be out of a game we give up a couple points we give up a couple touchdowns we have that guy it's such a different mentality than last year where there was so much pressure on the defense where if they didn't create points remember in the Jacksonville game I remember talking about this when Quinn Williams gets the strip sack and he recovers the fumble and he gets taken down at the 10 yard line to start the game something like that and the Jets couldn't punch it in can you imagine the pressure you just Created an opportunity. Your team has to punch it in to go up, and you couldn't do it. You couldn't punch in the touchdown. Now this defense can relax and truly focus. Okay, if we get burned once, fine. We have Rodgers on the other side. Focus on what they need to accomplish. The other thing that this episode, episode one, really showed, and it continued in episode two, was team character, team character, team character. Everything was about the character of these guys, about Sauce Gardner going to get his degree, Garrett Wilson, you see him on the field. He's like, that's right. How did the grass taste? After, you know, the defense has to do push-ups because they lost in practice. And he's yelling at them, smack talk. But then afterwards, you see him. He's so nonchalant. He's so even keeled. I don't know if you remember the video that came out when um, uh, when he was drafted. This The video from his dad about always staying humble. Like, it's Garrett Wilson, they've drafted character. And even... Rod, uh, they actually said it in episode two. Salah's talking to Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson's talking about Quentin Williams getting paid, which was odd. He's like, that's a lot of money. He's like, yeah, it is a lot of money. You have a lot of it, though, and you own the Jets. So it's a lot of money. Congrats, Woody. Uh, He's been overly, overly used so far in the first two episodes, which was weird to me. But fine. Salah says to him, yeah, but we wouldn't pay him if he wasn't even a better person than he is. A football player. And that's so important. The character they've built on this team with Michael Clemens, with John Franklin Myers, all these guys, you could tell it's a very, very high character locker room. It's awesome to see. It's so important for this team. They actually love each other. They actually band together. They actually work for each other. And that's so cool. And look, there's a certain effect that Aaron Rodgers is going to have on everyone. Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, there was a scene where they're not just going back and forth. Everyone's talking about iron, try, open, iron because they're going back and forth and playing against each other every day in practice. 
No, but there's a scene where they're talking about technique where Sauce is like, what did you do here to get open? And Garrett's like, what did you do here that locked me up? And they're talking to each other so that when they see someone else try and do the same thing to them, they know how to combat it. That's the Aaron Rodgers effect. That's the effect that you saw Aaron Rodgers saying to Quinn and Williams. He goes, hey, Quinn, what did you do? How did you get pressure there? Oh, well, the, the center was playing me like this, so this is what I do. He said, so go tell him. Go tell him now. And Quinn's like, oh, that's a novel idea. I should go tell him right now? I should go tell him in the middle of practice? Yes, because then you improve. And if he does something, now it's harder for you. Now you have to figure out another way to get around him. That is the Aaron Rodgers effect. And I'm not mad about it. So many people who are so angry who are saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers, all about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it should be. This is the effect. When you have a young team that's <clears throat> done everything but one, hasn't proven anything yet, but has the talent. Sometimes it takes a guy like that, Peyton Manning going to Denver or Tom Brady going to Tampa or Matthew Stafford going to the Rams. This has happened before. And now it's the next guy. It's Aaron Rodgers. And that's perfectly fine. And there's a positivity and an effect that he has not just on the field, but in the locker room, in the meeting rooms. I told this story on my podcast is a story from Peter Schrager. It's an incredible story that he told on his podcast, talking to Nathaniel Hackett, that during the first mini camps a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago at this point, the running backs were sitting in the running backs room discussing a play and they were discussing, can we run it like this? Can we run it like that? And the room's dark and just the play is up on the screen and they're discussing different ways to do it. All of a sudden from the back of the room, they hear a voice say, well, also here's another way how we can do it and blah, blah, blah. And it was Aaron Rodgers in the back of the running backs room because he wants to be involved in everything. He wants to be a part of everything. He wants to make everyone and everything on that team great. Find the negative in that. I can't. Also, um, the other thing that this can only happen if Rodgers is on this team is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, he's teaching him, you don't have time for this, do this. The development of Zach Wilson, if there's anything that can salvage Zach Wilson, is Rodgers. But let's get to that in a second. Let's talk about Rodgers' connection with Nathaniel Hackett. I talked about Jeff Holdrick. I love Nathaniel Hackett, how he came off in episode one. I also, in episode one, understand why he's not a great head coach. It makes sense watching episode one. Okay, this guy isn't a great head coach. He wouldn't be great. But his attitude, he's funny, he's quirky, he gets along with Rodgers, he understands Rodgers. All that, it makes sense why Everyone loves him as an offensive coordinator. One of the big things that I saw this in quarterback, the documentary about the quarterbacks on Netflix, I saw the cab, uh, collaboration between Andy Reid and the players. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, everyone there when it was Tyreek Hill, it was Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Now, the collaboration makes it interesting for them. It's not just, hey, what do you guys think we should do on this play? It's more how to, how to make the play important to you, how to understand it better, not just memorize it and then try and do it on the field. Make it important to you so that you're going out there with passion. So with the movie quotes and with tying things together and with trying to get the guys to buy into one thing, that's the point of that. That's what Hackett's trying to do here. He's trying to get these players to buy into a system, to make it mean something to them so they're not just going out there and running a play blindly just because, okay, we're running this play. This is how this play is run. It makes them feel a part of it. That is so important. There's also such a relaxed attitude. There's a fun, relaxed attitude that he has. He has a ton of energy. You see him jumping up and down. But it was so funny, and this was an episode two, when Quinton Williams... Uh, Quinn Williams gets a sack and he's like, come on, Quinn. And he just gives him the middle finger. Like he's mad at Quinn for making a great play. And we'll get to that when we talk about episode two, but this is Rogers and Hackett, that connection. They already have them together, them collaborating together, the relaxed environment. There's, there's no panic. A lot of times you hear, and look, everyone talks about in the New York market. If Rogers tries to say relax after losing a couple of games, that won't fly in New York. Maybe it should, you know, maybe, I'm not saying that the Jets should lose a bunch of games. We should be happy about it. But having this never get too high, because if you start pressing, you start pushing, that's what happened to Zach Wilson the last couple of years. How'd that work out for us? Having a guy who's been there, done that with a guy who he won an MVP with, Hackett and Rodgers together, has this chilled, relaxed environment. And you could tell that there's this relaxed environment because when they're playing that game where they're trying to hit the pylon with the football and Rodgers yells, Sean Payton at, uh, at Hackett to mess him up. Like, that's funny. They're not taking themselves too seriously. 
And you see it in Zach Wilson. You saw it on the field translate on Zach Wilson. If he can be salvaged, like I said, it's not just the teaching, but it's him being relaxed. There's no pressure for him to stand in front of the media and answer all these questions every day. You see him with the arm sleeves, making fun of Rodgers in the Hall of Fame game. As he's running down the field after throwing a pass, he goes, oh, that was a dot. There's a confidence back in Zach Wilson right now. And all that doesn't mean that there's no competitive, fiery attitude. Aaron Rodgers is still so fiery, still so competitive. When he is on the field and he's like, whoa, what the F was that? And he's yelling at the the referees or the team or whoever it was during the Hall of Fame game. When he's not even on the field, he's not even playing. He's just on the sideline. He's still so fired up. Like that means something. That, That shows you he's still got that fiery attitude. I don't think he lost that just because he's relaxed right now when he needs to be fiery he is and he will be another cool thing since i mentioned the hall of fame game from the hall of fame game was rogers standing with sauce and revis walks over to them and rogers kind of just gives him this nod looks at sauce and nods towards revis like that guy you could be that you could be that great and then he says you're gonna be here one day and they're standing there on the side of the field so cool is rogers not even holding it no phone nothing on him just arms folded taking it all in kind of like the older guy in the room where sauce he's a young kid he's a millennial he's got his phone on him and he's talking to rogers and it's just it's just different one guy's at you know that he said when you by the time you make it here i'm gonna be all old and gray but one guy's kind of at the top of the hill kind of there looking down at, as, as sauce is beginning his ascension it's kind of a cool connection they have a really cool friendship um but it's everyone on the team. It's the character of everyone. You saw the defensive line where they're saying, yeah, I'm getting paid now. I want to I go to a Broadway show and eat a Carcucci board. Like they don't even have, know how to pronounce it because it's so foreign to them. They're not guys that are these, I don't know. It's just this, this character on this team. It was so funny in the Carolina game, part of the Mike Devlin guys. And when you said Carcucci board, it's hilarious that in episode two, you saw that. And look, the one thing, like I said, if you want to look at some negatives, I thought Woody is overly involved, but if Woody was overly involved, maybe they wouldn't have had such a smart, financially responsible contract that they gave to um, Dalvin Cook, right? I don't know if they do that if Woody's involved, right? Overly involved. There was no drama, none at all, which every Hard Knocks episode usually has some sort of drama in it. And episode two did have some drama, and we'll get to that. No drama in episode one. So it was really just like a, like I said, it was just this positive. Aaron Rodgers is here. This is going to be awesome. It was different than all past episodes of Hard Knocks. Leave Schreiber, the narrator, breaking the fourth wall saying, yeah, I came in on a helicopter because the producers thought it would be cool, but I really should have ironed my shirt. Like, that's funny. That's different than past episodes of Hard Knocks. And speaking of Leave Schreiber, when he's talking to Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers goes, we haven't played any games yet. All this hype is great. We enjoy it, but we haven't played any games yet. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And that's what's awesome. I saw an accountability from this team where after they lose, I wasn't sure, but they go down and do push-ups. The big thing, no Joe Douglas in the episode at all. Even when you see Salah talking to him, it cuts off before Douglas responds. And so what I was looking for in episode two was will we see more accountability because we saw some of it in episode one with the push-ups and that stuff. Will we see more accountability And will we see Joe Douglas? So we got the answer to both of those questions. And episode two was awesome. Episode two starts. And this is, to me, if episode one was the Aaron Rodgers episode, episode two was the Robert Sala episode. And we got the answer on accountability on this team from Robert Sala. Now, it starts with Oz Perlman, which, not going to lie, that was super cool. Some of that stuff was super cool. I kind of almost bust a nut when he did the whole Super Bowl thing with like, okay, I envision you guys winning the Super Bowl. And when he's like, you guys are are playing against the Niners. Now, there's only two really premier teams in the NFC. And again, the Niners lost last year with no quarterback in the NFC Championship game. And they won, or I guess, so you, you could pick them over Philly because that's really the only other option in the NFC right now if you're looking at it. So 
it's not crazy to predict that. Plus, Nicole Hardman, he specifically picked Hardman. Hardman played in a Super Bowl, his first and only ever Super Bowl, won a championship, and the final score was 31 to 20 against the Niners. So the fact that he chose 31 21 against the Niners, I guess he could have predicted that and kind of pushed him in that direction. But it's still cool. It's still the magic part of it. It's super cool. And just the bonding, the team bonding is is cool. So one other thing it started showing was it's the the reason they bring these people in is to break the monotony of uh, of practice every day, every single day, practice the same players against the same teammates, going at it over and over and over again. It gets it's, it's grueling, and so they showed how they're fighting in practice. A lot of fights broke out one day in practice, and so funny to me how when you're a dysfunctional franchise. Oh, they're fighting in practice. This is the worst thing in the world. This is awful. And when you're a championship team, it's like, oh, they're gritty. They're ready. They're ready to go. I think it's the type of thing like part of my take would say where Big Cat would say, oh, I think they're fighting because they're they're gritty. They're hard. And then PFT will say, oh, no, I, I disagree. I think they're going to they're fighting because they're a dysfunctional team. So you can take both sides of it. It whatever fits your narrative, you could write two articles about it, tell two stories based on the same exact footage, the same exact thing, just what your thoughts are on it. So it's kind of funny, but to me, it doesn't mean anything. And you saw Salah said, he said, look, they're angry because they're not playing that good. He said, so we fought for a day. What's okay. What now? Now what? Who cares? The next thing is the Quinn and Williams thing. It shows Quinn and Williams. He's funny as hell, by the way. And he barely talked about, they barely talked about his contract. They just mentioned he's one of the highest paid players. And I think I see why he's not a super featured player because when he was on the fan, when he did an interview with us, he doesn't say much. There was actually one thing on Hard Knocks where he's like, oh shoot, I didn't realize you were mic'd up. When he's being really funny, when he shows a ton of personality, it's when he thinks the cameras and microphones are somewhat off him. Obviously, he knows they're always there, but that's when he he, he hypes it up. He doesn't hype himself up when he's talking to the camera. He's not one of these self-promoters, and maybe that's why he doesn't have the name that some of these defensive tackles in the league have. But he said, I, I want to be Aaron Donald. I want to affect every single game. I want to end games. Um, again, even with the contract talk, no Joe Douglas. No Joe Douglas in two episodes. That, to me, is the architect of the team. This is the guy who brought in Rodgers. This is the guy who paid Quinn and Williams, who drafted the offensive and defensive rookie of the year, who drafted Brees Hall, Elijah Vera Tucker, put this whole team together, brought in Dalvin Cook. At the end of the day, if this all falls apart, a lot of it falls on the shoulders of Joe Douglas, and he's not in the episode at all. Super interesting to me so far through, through two episodes. Another thing, though, Salah keeps talking about character. I mentioned that in the last episode. He keeps talking about it. Um, so there's also a funny scene. This is just kind of throwaway where they're in the meeting talking about the fake handoffs, the Rodgers fake handoffs. And everyone says, no, yeah, you shortchanged it a little bit on that one. And that's why we think that one's the fake handoff. And then turns out that was the real handoff. He goes, short change. And it was so funny. He Like his attitude, his just his demeanor in the quarterback's room it was cool to see that uh to see that chemistry then it shows the snap stuff with rogers right so a lot of this again it's showing different things from practice things that we haven't seen and a big story is going to be the offensive line and something that's interesting to me is Tipman has played really well in the two plays he played in two games he played in, i should say and yet he's not he wasn't getting a lot of first team reps until this week he got a first team rep on uh tuesday or wednesday and Rodgers actually said he was surprised that he got a first-team rep. So we know Rodgers loves his veterans. And so to me, that's interesting. To me, that stuck out. I was like, okay, even if they would have drafted an offensive lineman in the draft this year, which we know what happened in the draft, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, conspiracy theory, they conspired to jump ahead of the Jets to jump their pick after the Jets had moved down two picks in part of the Rodgers trade to get an offensive lineman that the Jets were probably targeting. I'm fine with Will McDonald, but it's just interesting. Even if they would have taken that offensive lineman there, Aaron Rodgers doesn't love these young kids. He wants someone. He, he keeps talking about the veterans. Whenever they talk about the offensive line in the media, he keeps mentioning the veterans. And he said he was somewhat surprised uh, about Joe Tipman getting the start. And so that's interesting to me. He's talking about the perfect snap and different things like that. The offensive line, a big part of it is what's going to work well for Rodgers. And 
if he allows the best five to be out there, even if it means that they're a little younger, a little less experienced, and it's okay if he yells at them. And so I'm okay with it. Uh, but Quinton Williams was running through that offensive line. He goes, I have 10 sacks already. Now I'm not shocked at the amazingness of Quinton Williams. He's incredible, but I think the national audience will learn and he'll get more recognition based off of this. He's like, I have 10 sacks today alone. And uh, Salah goes to him, well, it's not September 11th yet, meaning the games didn't start yet. None of this matters. We haven't proved anything. And that was the main message in his speech. And this was the height of the episode. This was the whole point of the episode. It was aimed at the offensive line, but it was in front of the entire team. You see, as they're walking off the field from that day of practice, the first day of practice against Carolina, Salah's going, I just, they had no juice. We're missing something. We're just not ready to play football. He's just talking to one of his other coaches. And it's like, that doesn't sound great. And so you wonder if he's just saying that to the coach What's again, you don't think anything is fabricated because all the players talked about this. If you if you fabricate yourself in front of the cameras, that just means that they're they're the players are gonna read right through that if you're one way in front of the cameras and another way, and they won't respect you. So Sala gets in the locker room and gave just an incredible speech. Here's the speech. <clears throat> so last night I went back in my office, I turned off my lights and I would just watch a silent tape. All right, you guys know how important to me the silent tape is because the silent tape represents who the fuck we are. Defense, our style was all over this bitch yesterday. And it was awesome to see because that's our standard, that's who we are. All right? Offense. Guys, it was our first fucking opportunity to change the stink that's been in this organization for a very long time on the offensive side of the ball. You can have a Hall of Fame quarterback, you can have two $10 million plus receivers, you can have a reigning offensive rookie of the year, you can have all kinds of skill in the running back room. None of it fucking matters until the big boys up front change who the fuck we are. We as coaches, we as an organization can't want it more than you. And I'm watching that tape all night last night trying to find something to show that we're fucking changing and it didn't show and it was our first op. And I'd love to say we got another practice, but you know what? It's like Sunday. You don't get Monday morning to go redo. It's getting your mind right to represent who the fuck you are every single fucking time you are on the fucking field. We'll fix for footwork. We'll fix all that shit. But you can't fix it until we know you're giving everything you got. Making it fucking hurt. Straining and fighting for everything you fucking got. Because we will go as you go. We proved last year that we're a 7-10 and 10 football team with a really fucking good defense and a mediocre offense. That's, that's about what we proved. Flip that fucking shit. We don't get any more second chances. He's preaching accountability. This is what I keep saying. There's accountability on this team. He's talking about change the stink of the organization. Some people hated that in the first episode he starts with. We're not the same old Jets. Right? He says, we're not the same old Jets. Some people were saying, how are you bringing up the, the same old Jets? You're a minute into your tenure as, as a Jets. It's a minute into the, the first Hard Knocks episode. They're back. They have Aaron Rodgers. You're still talking about same old Jets. Because they are the same old Jets until they change. That's the thing that people don't understand. You're the same old Jets until you do something about it. We've accomplished being a seven-win team, is what he said. That's all we've accomplished. Because until we prove that we're better than that, that we're more capable than that, that's all we are, is just seven-win team. I, to me, that was perfect. He called them out in front of the entire team. And one of the things that the main thing he's calling out is the effort, is the will, the wanting to do it. We as coaches can't want it more than you. Meaning, we can't want it more than you. We can't do it for you. We can coach you we can want it as much as possible we can go hard but we can't do it for you you have to go out there and want it and prove it and you don't get a redo i kind of talked about it jokingly at the beginning of the episode podcasting you get a redo you got to give it everything you got every time you're on there every time you're out on the field and that was awesome it was incredible to see him doing that it was incredible to see that from sal because any doubts that i had about sala Oh, he's a nice guy. He can't rip into the guys. He rips into the guys when necessarily, when necessary. And that was incredible. I loved it. Then it goes to the game. 
They have the one day of practice by themselves. Apparently, it goes really well. And then the game, they respond. It starts with Zach Wilson. There's a whole Zach. I talked about the, just Zach Wilson changing. He's smiling. Oldrick comes over to him and says, I want to see you smile. I want to see you have fun today. The quarterback's coach comes over to him and says, I, I want to see you smile. I want to see you having fun out there. And Zach Wilson says back to the quarterback coach, he says, we're done being stressed about football. Football is fun. To me, that tells me that he's talking to himself. He's trying to put that in his mind because he was stressed about football. It became a stress. It became something. You watch the Baker Mayfield documentary. He said at the end of it, with all the pressure, he hated football. It's the same thing with Zach Wilson. When day after day, you have to stand in front of the media and answer all these questions. It's difficult. It gets tough. I don't, I don't blame him. It would get really hard if I was in that position. He's a young kid. You don't have to be stressed about it anymore. It's not on you. So this kid's career could actually be saved by how he's just being relaxed and ready for everything that's happening. And then even Rogers says to him, Rogers goes and looks. He's like, you're wearing the bandana, right? He feels for it to make sure he's wearing that headband. And Rogers likes it. He's like, I love you, kid. That's what he says to him. He's like, I like this swag. And Wilson looks like daddy approved of the swag. Like, There's this connection that they have. And he, Aaron Rodgers wants him to have fun. Hackett wants him to have fun. They want him to have the confidence back. And that's super cool. And he gets them to draw them off sides. He pulls the Rodgers. Like I always say, the moments that are going to hit different for Rodgers, seeing him on the field, seeing him in the Jets facility, he's hearing him talk about John Franklin Myers and different players on the team. All those things hit different. Kind of give me this, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers is Jet. But him saying green 18 on Sunday is going to hit different. But the first time he draws a team off sides and gets a free play out of it, that's going to be incredible. When he first time he gets 12 men on the field and he gets a free play out of it, that's going to be like, oh my God, he's doing this for my team. But it wasn't even Rodgers. Zach Wilson did it against Carolina in the preseason game. He got them to jump. And then he doesn't get the free play. And Rodgers is furious that he doesn't get the free play. But he pulled a Rodgers. He would have, never would have done that in the last two years. Never. It's just, it's, it's great. I, I, like That part of it to me is so special. The, the Rodgers effect, it goes back to everything. So episode one, we see Rodgers, the Rodgers effect. Episode two, it's about the accountability. It's about Salah. And it worked because the D-line dominated. The Jets win. Look, I can't watch preseason games to me. How do you watch a game where the only thing you're rooting for is for guys not to get hurt? It's impossible to watch. Um, so, again, this doesn't mean anything. They haven't won anything yet, but they know that, and I know that. And the end of the first half, though, you saw not only a solid changing in being meaner to the guys, I guess, but he made a correction. When they rule the touchdown, it wasn't a touchdown. They have 12 seconds left. They go back on the field and go for it. The way they manage the clock, they manage the clock properly at the end of a game, at the end of a half. That's something they didn't do last year. That's something where Robert Sala is working on himself. He always, Just like he tells the guys need to work on himself, he needs to get better. He needs to improve. And I trust that he's putting the work in and he wants to be the best. That doesn't change where he is on a coach ranking, but it tells you that he's putting the work in, that he wants to get better. He wants this team to be better. Some other cool things, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, with Makai backed in at the end, um, where he's saying, hey, let's get together. I, I need you to be great. More offensive line stuff. Rodgers needs to rely on these guys. He needs these guys to be good in order for this team to have success. Uh, and then Salah gets in the locker room after the game and pumps them up. The same team that three days earlier, he's yelling at them. That's the same team that he's pumping up, that he's saying, you guys were awesome. You Everything... Our, our style was all over that bitch. Everything he says because he saw the results. So it's okay to then reward the team, to then say, I appreciate what you guys are doing. After you ripped into them, you got the results, and now I'm praising you guys. It felt like just a full circle, perfect Robert Sala episode. Um, at the end, there's always this end part of Hard Knocks where it shows kind of the little things but i talked about hackett and his movie quotes he's told a bunch of players and it shows them in a meeting room saying hey you guys haven't seen this movie you guys have to go see this movie and then one of the offensive players is in 
uh, is on the practice field talking to one of the defensive players, quoting that movie. So clearly he went home, he watched the movie, he takes it seriously. They care about it and he loved it so much that he's quoting it to another teammate of his who wasn't in that meeting. It just tells me that the message is getting home. These guys are listening. These guys, th- this coaching staff knows how to get through to these players. And that's super cool. So that's the story with the two Hard Knocks episodes. So we recap the two Hard Knocks episodes like I said I was going to do. There's a couple other pieces that I want to hit on from training camp. I, I wanted to talk about the offensive line, the injuries, all that stuff. I definitely wanted to talk about what could go wrong and the coaching uh, rankings in the NFL. Because somebody called up and was like, yeah, Salah was great in the episode, but where does he rank amongst all the coaches in the NFL? And... The, the host, Chris McMonagle, said, oh, let me just, off the top of my head, give you a ranking of the NFL coaches. said, you should know that. It was a very old-timey WFAN caller thing to be like, oh, if you're on the fan, you should know off the top of your head the ranking of all 32 coaching staffs in the league. I don't think that's true, but it got me thinking, and I did a coach's ranking. So next week, we will have an episode. We will rank the coaches. We'll talk about my concern level for the Jets. We'll talk about the offensive line. We'll talk about what could potentially go wrong, what could be the downfall of this team after the two incredibly positive episodes that we had of hard knocks after me giving you my jets history and telling you that this is so positive. This feels different than it's ever been in the past. Where can it go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? I don't like thinking that way, but we know it can happen. So as always, I appreciate every single person who took the time to listen to this, to watch this. You guys, I can't thank you enough. I, Hope you continue to support the podcast, help the podcast grow. It's in the beginning stages, but I want to do some really cool stuff with this podcast. And I can't wait, like Bart Scott said, I can't wait to get this further off the ground to keep going. I'm really excited. And it's all thanks to everyone who listens and watches and supports this podcast. So until next time, Rex, tell them. Let's go to eat a damn snack. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.